Well, what I'll do is I'll go a step um, before there. So what had happened was when I moved to New Zealand, um, the specialist told me that my health was in remission. So basically they managed to stop my immune system from attacking my body. Okay. And so I was given it all clear to then move over to New Zealand. Now at that time, you know, previously the doctor told me I was going to die and all this sort of stuff. And as you can imagine, when somebody tells you that, you think, oh my goodness, what have I done with my life? Yeah. I've done nothing. What have I achieved? Mm. Um, Have I left anything behind for my family? You know, and the fact that I was in remission and I was given the all clear to go to a new country to start a new life, mm. I said, I said to myself and I said in my prayer, I said, if I get this opportunity to get a second chance, I'm going to take it and I'm yeah. going to run with it, you see? Yeah. And so obviously fast forward to New Zealand now, um, I was ready in that mindset to take and accept any opportunity that came my way, but also to create opportunities mm. as well. So, so that was the key. Seven years of every night on a machine for seven to 11 hours while I'm sleeping, you know, I was just grateful I had an opportunity that was still free to work, you know, and by this time my son came (laughs) Uh, and then my daughter came and then so that gave me the added boost uh, or another reason to do well to provide for my wife and for my children. Welcome back to the Visible at Work podcast, the show that shares what to do after you get the job. Designed to help you navigate workplace issues and unlock executive opportunities through communication. I'm your host, Tracy, and you're welcome today. I have a very special guest with me today, and he is from New Zealand. So this is a very, very interesting episode where, you know, we're going to share ideas and talk about how it is working in New Zealand. He moved from London, so that is an experience to share. And his name is Craig Diaz, and he is a marketing strategist, a brand strategist, a real estate. In fact, he's a real estate guru. He's an inspirational speaker, and he also has a personal story to share as well. He's a marketing specialist. He's a serial entrepreneur. He has a lot of businesses. <laughs> so that's just. I'm just trying to sum up like who Craig is and all that Craig is all about. So. That is Craig for you today. And Craig, you're welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show. And we're so happy to have you here today. Oh, Tracy, thank you so much for having me. Um, and thank you for the awesome introduction. <laughs> um, yeah, could my head get any bigger? No, I'm only joking. Um, no, it's, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, thank you for having me. But your story is one of resilience, um, one of perseverance, and one of having the Midas touch, which we're going to talk about because I don't know how you're able to do all of these things and still keep your enthusiasm and hard work and let it show in the work that you do. So you're going to tell us the secret sauce today. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. I'll, I'll share everything. Um, and, you know, the, the secrets that I have are not really secrets. These are things that everyone, everyone knows and have access to. Uh, it's just all about knowing how to implement them into your lives. Mm, yeah. So speaking about lives, I'm going to start with your personal story first before we get into um, work and your line of businesses. So, but your personal story, um, when, you know, we got chatting, we're in the same group and then you shared something about your story. We're talking about like the podcast episodes and stuff. And then I read up on your story and then we just connected. And it was so amazing how 
you know, being able to still work while having health challenges and overcoming that, managing your time. Um, because now you know time is of the essence because your time is precious. And mm. now finding um, a solution to your health at the time that it came in, how did that feel for you? How were you able to stay positive in the midst of the challenges? So tell us about the health, ch- health challenge. I don't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. So basically uh, back in London, UK, I was diagnosed with uh, kidney failure. This was back in uh, 2008. And, uh, you know, just so that everyone can understand the type of person that I am, I was young, I was healthy, um, playing football, and um, I was in a bit of a rut before that anyway, but my life was starting to change a bit, which was really, really good. And I got into a really good job, a nice, stable job, working for a a arm's length uh, company, which manages the council uh, stock of properties. And uh, it was where a department where council tenants were given the opportunity to buy uh, properties off the council to get onto the property property ladder. So it's a really, really good job. Um, And um, obviously, all of a sudden, I got the news that uh, my kidneys were failing. And um, I'll be honest with you, Tracy, it was quite a difficult time for me, especially Mm. being a young guy. I was 25, 26, Mm. you know, and um, it was a difficult time. Uh, but how I managed to stay positive was, um, you know, I, I've got a belief in God. I have a relationship with God. Um, I read the Bible. I pray, you know, and also I've got a family as well. So I have my wife and my two kids. Um, not at the time when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And they came into the picture later on. So yeah. <laughs> we'll get <Happy> there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it was it was a very difficult challenge in the beginning. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. So like, how did your mindset, your mindset shift from, oh, why me to how do I make the best out of my time? Um, Because you were doing your work, you started a business and you were still going for dialysis every week. And so how did your mindset change from, oh my God, you know, this has happened to me. So I'm just going to close up the windows and just stay indoors. You know, how, how, how did that happen? Well, what I'll do is I'll go a step um, before there. So what had happened was when I moved to New Zealand, um, the specialist told me that my health was in remission. So basically they managed to stop my immune system from attacking my body. Okay. And so I was given it all clear to then move over to New Zealand. Now at that time, you know, previously the doctor told me I was gonna die and all this sort of stuff. And as you can imagine, when somebody tells you that, you think, oh my goodness, what have I done with my life? Yeah, I've done nothing. What have I achieved? Mm. Um, Have I left anything behind for my family? You know, and the fact that I was in remission and I was given the all clear to go to a new country to start a new life. Mm. I said, I said to myself and I said in my prayer, I said, if I get this opportunity to get a second chance, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. You see? And so obviously fast forward to New Zealand now. Um, I was ready in that mindset to take and accept any opportunity that came my way, but also to create opportunities mm. as well. So, so that was the key. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like what you said. So, it, not just waiting to take, but also like to create that opportunity. And you really, you really have created um, those opportunities for yourself. And it's amazing how um, part of why I started this podcast about you know moving 
sometimes people may not have such life-changing experiences to give them that push that okay now it's I have a fresh start and this is what I'm going to do now with my life but there might be other things that may have moved make them move to a different environment or a different situation and that's how I'm able to connect with your story and like for people who are deciding to have like a career refresh in a new environment and how that plays out for them so um you started the car business first right that's right yeah so um, I started my first job in New Zealand was working for a hospital uh, doing data entry and, and as you can imagine I was the only guy in the office um, and dealing with you know big piles of paperwork this big yeah. sitting behind a cl- and all you're doing is just typing in details and that's not fulfilling you know yeah, yeah. Uh, so I said to my wife I said to her we only been married for about seven months at the time and I said to her, I said, babe, look, <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> I'm bored. I, I'm sick of this job. I said, if I don't do something soon, I'm going to go back to London. And so we mm-hmm. sat down, we had a bit of a chat. And um, she said, uh, oh, would you, would you be keen to do a business? I said, look, I will take anything. Any opportunity that comes to me, I will take it and I'll run with it. So anyway, did a bit of searching around. We found a car detailing business for sale. Yeah. Um, and it was called Final Touch. And uh, we bought the business, and yeah, I've never run a business before. Mm. I've never polished a car before. I never detailed a car before. I've never marketed a business before. I've never, I've never done anything <laughs> among those lines there. But you see, I had that zest and that desire to change my circumstances, change our circumstances. Yeah. See? Yeah. And, um, you know, I wanted a, a better life for me and my wife. There were no children at the time, so we could do that. Um, my wife was working at the time. So, um, you know, starting in the beginning, yes, it was very, very difficult because obviously no money's coming in. No one really knows me. Um, but I was able to, you know, still just keep being persistent, knocking yeah. on doors, showing that I can do, but also at the same time, refining my skills so that I could get better. You know, yeah. and then, it, the interesting thing was when I bought the business, it was during the recession. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> as you can imagine, it was difficult times, but the business was structured in such a way so that, um, you know, when I went to customers, when I went to clients, they could see the value in yeah. using me rather than using somebody else. I was very quick to be able to turn the business around and start earning income. So, yeah, oh, wow. it was good. That's amazing. And um, you also talked about um, the impact that social media played in um, marketing your business and getting people, you know, converting to sales, which now you, you teach a lot of people how they can do that with their business. And um, then you also now had like the filter disposal business. So were you, were you doing that at the same time as the car detailing business? No, so it was a bit of a transition actually. So um, I ran the car detailing business for about seven years and then into my fifth year into doing the car detailing business, I then bought uh, a car grooming business, right? Um, Which was kind of going downhill, didn't have no social media presence, no website. It was, you know, people didn't even know it was there. And so basically I took that sort of as an investment, uh, created a brand, created a logo, created a website, introduced uh, new products into the into the business. And I ran the business for about a year and a half um, and sold it and made money. 
Wow. <laughs> From not so, having any any business uh, background and everything, and now you're selling a business. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's right. You know, and um, and that's the thing. Most people think that you have to know everything. Mm. I didn't know nothing. You know, and neither did my wife. Mm. Uh, but we were determined to make it work, and uh, you know, change our life, make our life yeah. better. You know, yeah. so anyway, uh, how we got into filter disposal was we were going on a family trip every uh, we say Christmas December because over here that's summer, yeah. And uh, so the summer months are December right through to February, yeah. and we went camping by the beach in a place called Foxham Beach, and uh, we loved it. We were camping there for about five years. And every time we left, we were like, oh, this place is so beautiful. We should move here. Mm-hmm. And um, the first question was, well, if, if I move here, what will we do? You know? And then, as we do, we <laughs> found a business for sale. <laughs> <laughs> so, was that, so was that also was, part of the real estate, you know, I fallen in love with Foxton, and then was that part of, you know, the real estate business too? No, so the real estate it didn't even cross my mind at this stage. Oh, wow. So, you know, so obviously we bought this uh, filter disposal business. Uh, business was doing okay, but it didn't have good systems in place for marketing, for creating, uh, for getting more clients, that sort of stuff, you know. And so, you know, what I did was I eventually sold Final Touch. I then, my, you know, moved to Foxton. Then I went into filter disposal and then within a very, very short time, uh, implementing what I've learned through Final Touch and through the auto wash grooming business, I grew the customer clientele base by about 30%. Wow. And, uh, you know, that was purely just, you know, cold, cold knocking, knocking on doors saying, hey, you know, this is what I do. Um, We can... We help to save the environment. We stop oil going into the into harming the landfill, the environment, the water, yeah. vegetation. You need us, and so obviously that's how I was able to grow the clientele. Now, what what had happened was the business was turning over, but at the time my health was getting quite bad at this point. Yeah. So I said to because I had a catheter, you see, so I was on peritoneal dialysis. Yeah. And obviously oil and a hole and a tube in your stomach ain't going to quite work. <laughs> if you get oil in there, you're, you're going to yeah. be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, well, I don't want to sell the business because the business has got potential. I've grown it so much. You know, what do I do now? And then a, a light bulb just went off and said, oh, no, I'm just, I'll just go and sell real estate. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, the business started running in the background. I got an employer, an employee. Uh, to come in and run the business and I still manage it. Uh, my wife manages it as well when I'm, you know, a little bit too busy. And then um, I got into real estate. Oh. And oh. Um, it was within my first six months uh, into real estate, that's when I got the phone call for a kidney transplant. So hmm. that threw another curveball into the mix. So it was, it, it was, uh, you know, the move from London the data entry job, like everything just brought you full circle and your health. <laughs> so from the health challenge to all those ventures to now your health. Describe that experience of getting that phone call while being on the after being on the wait list for how long? For how many years? Seven years. Wow. So yeah. So describe I was, that experience. 
Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Um, because I honestly believe awareness is the key here because there are so many people that die from kidney failure, waiting yeah. for a kidney yeah. to become available. And um, being on kidney dialysis is like dying slowly. You feel your life wasting away very, very slowly as each day goes on. And what happens is over time, dialysis doesn't fix the problem. It just helps you to prolong your life. Yeah. A dialysis machine cannot do what a kidneys can do, as you can imagine. Mm. And so when you're on peritoneal dialysis, there's a whole risk of uh, getting infections. The, the infections can give you sepsis, yeah. you get blood poisoning, you know, and as, as we all know, that's quite uh, fatal. Yeah. And there's so many people that have died from these things. I have had bouts of infections. It's not a nice experience. It's mm -hmm. scary when you do have them. But you know, when you come out the other side, you're more grateful. You're grateful for life. You have more zest, more zeal, you know. And um, seven years of every night on a machine for seven to 11 hours wow. while I'm sleeping, you know, I was just grateful I had an opportunity that I was still free to work, you know? Yeah. And by this time, my son came. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and then my daughter came. And then so that gave me the added boost uh, or another reason to do well, to provide for my wife and for my children. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> and now, <laughs> you know, um, speaking about real estate and um, the New Zealand you know, you, you said you were working with the council um, in London and how people who had council flats could buy property. So you you more or less like had your fingers playing with property in some way or form in London and now dealing with property in New Zealand. What were what would you say were the um, contrast or similarities or differences between London and New Zealand? Well, the whole the concept was still the same. So, you know, back in London, I prepared legal documents for yeah. the solicitors, for the buyers that were purchasing properties. Um, there were like specific clauses, you know, to help with their sale, the transaction go through. So when I got into real estate, it was like, okay, yep, slightly different, but I understand the whole concept. It was already yeah. there. Yeah. And so I was able to pick it up quite quickly, you know, and um, it was quite, at first, when I was doing my doing my license or studying to get my license, um, I was like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna, this is gonna be easy, you know? <laughs> but then as soon as I got my license, then reality hit me. I was like, oh my days, who's who's gonna choose me to sell their house? <laughs> 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 you know, because I don't know anybody here. Mm. And I, I'll, I'll just explain to people um, what New Zealand is like. So New Zealand is mainly consists of um, uh, Caucasian, New Zealanders, and then you have Maori New Zealanders. Yeah, right. Now there's not many African-American, black UK people here. So as <laughs> you can imagine, I really stuck out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and some people might look at that and say, oh, you know, take it negatively. Yeah. But uh, I said, you know what? I've been given this opportunity. I've been given a second uh, chance of life. Um, I'm gonna make a go of it. And again, it was that mindset, that mindset of being positive, using a negative, what could be a negative, turn it into a positive, 
And uh, next thing you know, within six months, um, I got the call, which was for the kidney, which was, oh my goodness, I, t- I cried. Wow. I absolutely cried. My wife was over the moon. Uh, <laughs> my son, I remember what, when I was lying on the hospital bed and he came to me and he said, um, so, so daddy, what, what, so why are you here? And I said, well, daddy's got a phone call for a kidney. And he, and he sat down and he paused and he looked back at me and he goes, so does that mean that you're going to be able to go swimming with me? <laughs> and, I, and I thought about it and I was like, wow, my goodness, the whole seven years of this boy's life, I've never been swimming with him. Wow. And so wow. the change, you know, the change. And so it wasn't just going to affect me, it was going to affect everybody else's life, which was beautiful, yeah. it was awesome. Um, and then, as I've, you know, as you probably know, um, I won Rookie Sales Person of the Year, and that is within the same year of getting a kidney transplant. Wow. Yeah, having surgery, recovering, and then within the twelve months, still selling eleven properties. Oh, oh, that's major. <laughs> that is major. Congratulations. That is major. That's a major work. And I like how you said, you know, some people would take uh, like a negative as- aspect in quote saying, um, because I'm different. And that is yeah. why, you know, I may not succeed here. But you took it and you ran with it and you were able to, you know, do another business for yourself, see opportunities where it, it just didn't seem like there was an opportunity for you. But you had done the work, you know, getting your license before even. <laughs> I like how you said, you know, getting your license and then saying, oh, so who's going to let me sell their property? So can you, between, you know, getting your license and because you had been you had been in New Zealand for about seven years, but, you know, this is a different industry and, mm. you know, getting to know people. Could you just share like what you did between the time getting your license and then now reaching out to people to and get them to give you their property to sell. Sure, sure. So the thing the thing that I've missed is how I marketed my business all that time. So what had happened was when I was in um, car detailing with Final Touch, um, I reached out to a lot of people uh, who were in the car scene. A lot of these ones were very, very influential on, on social media. And um, they just loved my work. They supported me. They could see that, um, you know, I was doing something which was quite different from what was down there at the time. And so obviously I, I basically, a lot of it was trial and error. Um, most people don't have that, you know, room for trial and error, but I was quite fortunate to be able to, you know, have that time. Um, and so a lot of it, I saw what other people were doing in industry, what they weren't doing online. And um, what I was doing was basically showcasing before and after photos of cars that I have done. And then what I would do is I would boost that. And then then I would also uh, connect that to events or car meets or car detailing events that I was gonna go to and say, hey guys, if you wanna see me in action polishing a car, you know, I can give you some tips. Why don't you come down here and meet me? And so obviously it was connected to the events. Everyone knew I was going to be there. Everyone yeah. loved cars, so we we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that's how I was able to grow the social media background for that business. Now, having done that, I then transferred that into filter disposal, and then transferred that into into real estate. Okay. And so now, 
uh, people buy based on emotion. Sometimes oh, logic yeah. as well. Most people buy an emotion. Everybody's visual because of social media. Definitely. So you need to get yourself out there and people want to know who is this person or who is this company that I'm going to be buying off. And so right from the get-go, when I got into real estate, I did a video saying, you know, um, what, who, who, how do you find the best real estate agent to sell your home? And that was the introduction for everybody else, potential sellers or vendors, to get to know me as an individual. So they see who I am, how I speak, how I behave, um, and then I talked about what I liked about the area. Now that set the tone for people to see, okay, this guy looks genuine, he looks cool, or he looks like the guy would use to sell my home, let's get him here. So that's how I use social media. Yeah, so you were not just showing empty houses. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you can't sell a secret, can you? <laughs> so so they, um, it has to be more than that, like just showing the exterior of the house and, you know, like yeah. you said, using the video and showing, bringing your own self, showing your own uh, personality and trying to connect that with how they can trust you to sell their property. And um, you also mentioned um, about the property and how people could notice that um, you were available to sell and how people use emotion or even if they use logic. A lot, I think a lot of times people use their emotion and then they use logic to justify the emotion for okay, right. selling the property or buying that property in that area or buying it from a certain kind of person and right. uh, seeing that, okay, you like maybe you like the kind of things that they like they find some similarities with you and they're, they're able to connect and say okay yeah let's talk about selling my property yeah i like that's that. right yeah so, so um yeah yeah so one of the key things is um when when sellers are looking to sell their home not only are they looking to find out you know what's this person like they also want to know can i can i trust you and that's, that's really, really key. And social media, because there's so many fake accounts on there, there's so many people saying, oh, I can do this, I can do that. The key thing is that you want to be able to connect with that person. So one of the key things, and, and this is what I teach people, is you need to be able to find what their pain points are. Yeah. Key, key thing. You can do that on social media, but you need to highlight what their pain point is and then also explain to them or show them how you can meet that pain point or at least, you know, help them to deal with it or go through it or, have, or you know, anything along those lines. Yeah. I'll give you an example. So if someone comes to me and they say to me, hey, look, you know, I, I really need to sell, sell my home. And I say, okay, now what's your situation? And then they explain the situation and then they will tell you what their pain points are, right? And so you're there to provide a service. It doesn't matter which industry you're in, car detailing, um, skin care, um, hair care, right? There's a pain point in every single customer when they come to you. It's your job to work out what that pain point is and to be able to meet that and help them so that you can deliver that product or that service. So yeah, key guys, remember that. <laughs> That's a good point, very good point. So like for someone who they haven't had the like they, they they're dreaming up about ideas for business but they haven't had the um opportunity to start and they're working at a job where um they need to pay their bills first 
how how can they plan for that transition because you've done that transition and yes. uh, how can they plan for that transition both mentally and also using like their skills or whatever they've learned maybe it's like they're preparing to start but how they can use that skill yeah so the main thing is is you need money to live right you need mm-hmm. money to survive you need to pay your bills and you know even if you jump and start into a new business uh, bills and, and eating and all those kind of things that they ain't gonna stop <laughs> so what I, what I um, teach people to do is to overcome that fear of oh, I, I, I can't do this I had a, I had a gentleman who was working for a retail store retail store selling um, you know garden equipment barbecues and that sort of stuff and um, he said to me, look you know i really want to start a business you know and i said okay well you know what is it and he said well i specialize in computers and hardwares and 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 hard drive and software and all that sort of stuff and i said okay and he goes but i don't know how to do it and i said well what do you mean you don't know how to do it he said well i've got a full-time job and i said well that's great and he goes well how can i run a business and do a full-time job and i said well you've got to start off somewhere so you need to live you need to eat you need to pay your rent you know pay for petrol your car all that sort of stuff you start with the small things, which is the cheapest, which is online. Yeah. So what you do is you create a business page, right? Create your logo, and all you gotta do is get yourself out there first. Mm. Number one thing, overcome the fear, get yourself out there first. And then, as I said in the beginning, you know, like I didn't know what I was doing. I was, <laughs> I didn't, I've never run a business before, but you will learn very, very quickly uh, how to deal with clients, how to get your service across and how to pitch yourself uh, very, you know, in a way so that people don't get put off and they want to come to you and they want to buy off you. Mm. So number one things, guys, establish a presence and then then you want to go into the next step, which is the whole customer experience from when they first meet you, from when they first come to you, whether it's that website, your business page, right through to when they purchase a product or service of you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really great. And because you, you did a lot of door knocking, so <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot of experience with that. Yes, and I, I also I I always add that apart from after buying from you, you should also continue the conversation. Um, that's because they might end up buying another time and another time from you. So that's another that's thing. Right. Yeah, and um, um, you know, speaking about being different and standing out in New Zealand and also knocking on doors. How were you able to pitch? Your, like you, you mentioned how you pitched the service and why they needed it, like for the environmental one, um, for the waste um, business, the waste filter business. Um, but in general, so how do you do that where you don't turn off people? Because every every area has their own culture. Some people like when people are very forward and very aggressive and like they always follow up. And then some people are like, oh no, just. <laughs> don't call me every time or they just they feel like you're being very intrusive so how do you know when to step back and when to like really go hard and get what you're going for yeah so the key thing is is that uh, body language is key so if you're there in front of the individual you can read very very quickly if they're interested or not hmm. um, so just be aware when people are talking to you just listen really really carefully to what they're saying and um, if people, if customers are aggressive or, um, you know, kind of seem a little bit off, always remember it's not it's not you and it's not about you. 
It could be something that's going on in their mind at the time. Uh, maybe they've been uh, harassed by another salesperson before, by something completely different. You just don't know. But the key thing is, is to be able to get your information, get your service or your product in front of them. So for example, what I did was um, car detailing or final touch was selling to another salesman. That's hard. <laughs> They're used to selling to people, not being sold to. <laughs> so <laughs> the key thing was, was I had to show them the benefits of using me. So they, you know, for example, they would take their car to a Panabita to get resprayed, right? So a bumper and a bonnet will cost them $500 to repaint. Whereas if they use my service, uh, it will cost them $300 and they get the whole car, you know, all polished and looking nice. So you can see the cost in saving for them, more money in their pocket, but also um, a, a same day turnaround service. So there was, you know, lots of benefits for them. Yeah. So the key thing for any other potential people, or potential businesses or people looking to start a business is you need to straight away highlight to them the benefits to them and what's the savings to them, if any. So you want to have comparables and you also want to show them the benefits. Mm, I like that. Comparables and benefits. Wow. Nice. nice. So Craig, how can we, what projects are you working on now and how can we um, get in touch with you? and you know just read up more on what you're doing yeah so as i mentioned before i'm actually uh teaching people how to uh you know gather online presence um how they can interact with people gain a following gain an audience pitch to an audience and um you know get themselves out there really um in terms of branding branding is really really important there's so much uh, jargon on there out there on the internet about personal branding and brand marketing and everyone's claiming to be a brand marketing expert. The key thing what I say to people is you want to work with somebody who's actually doing it and living it. Yeah. You don't want to just have a, a company who's just saying, hey, this is what I do and there's no real example for to show you, right? Yeah. So for me, myself, that's what I'm doing at the moment as well as being full-time and everything else as well but I'm willing to take that time to teach other people. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. So just type in my name, which is Craig Dias, Dias spelled D-I-A-S. Or you can go to my website, which is uh, www.craigdias.co.nz. And uh, yeah, you can contact me there. Give me a call, flip me an email. I'm an open book. I've got nothing to hide. I'd love to speak to, to anybody that's interested about starting up a business or branding. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you, Craig, for being so gracious with your time and, you know, everything that you shared, your story and um, how you've been able to push through. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, guys, you heard it from Craig. Reach out to him and um, he'll be sure to set your mind straight and also help you out. And thank you so much, Craig. And we hope to stay in touch. Remember, everybody, communication is your superpower to remain visible at work. I'll see you next week. Bye.